says, after this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbling and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God, and before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind, the first living creature like a lion, the second like an ox, the third with the face of a man, and the fourth like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, as we have this vision of heaven before us, we pray that you would open our eyes to see the truth of this word. The fact that, that this is not some far off distant future, but God, this is a picture of your throne room right now. That around your throne, all creation and all those in heaven are, are, are bowing before you in worship, singing your praises shouting for joy. God, would you please stir our hearts by these images? Would you please, God, open our eyes, help us to see the, the truth and the beauty of this word, and help us to conform ourselves and our lives to it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I'm not sure if you are aware, but all is not well right now in the Instagram knitting community. I'm sure you're, you're very concerned about it. I, I certainly was. But I, I heard recently of a, of a documentary called The Purity Spiral, and it focuses in on the Instagram knitting community. What happened was that there was, there was a man who happens to be gay and HIV positive, who on Instagram started a hashtag called Diverse Nitty uh, because he wanted to increase diversity and, and a number of different voices that are often marginalized in online discourse. 
And, and, and so he started this hashtag trying to do some good. And what, what resulted um, was not so good. What, what happened was there, there was a woman who was a part of this community who, who posted on Instagram that uh, she was, had the chance to take a trip to India. And, and, and going to India, she anticipated it being like being offered a seat on a spaceship to Mars. And, and when she said that, the, the wagons were circled, sides were taken, she was attacked and defended. Many people thought that her comments were incredibly insensitive and demeaning to people of Indian descent. Many people thought what she was saying was perfectly harmless. But, but over time, in the course of, of what, what ensued, the, the stakes of posting in the online Instagram knitting community uh, became higher and higher. And a mob mentality began to take hold in that world. Unfortunately, the, the, the gentleman who um, originally started the hashtag ended up in the hospital when the mob turned on him because he attempted suicide. This is what's called a purity spiral. And the, the filmmaker, Gavin Haynes, um, says this about a purity spiral. He says that, that while a purity spiral often concerns morality, it's not about morality. It's about purity. Purity is an inherently relative value. The game is always one of purer than thou. A purity spiral occurs when a community becomes fixated on implementing a single value that has no upper limit and no single agreed-upon interpretation. And the result is a feeding frenzy. That's what happened in the Instagram knitting community. But I don't think it's, it's only there that that sort of thing happens. And really, what started it was, was a desire, that at, at root of a purity spiral, is a desire to find something pure, to find something true, to find something holy in this world. And that quest for the holy is a good and precious human impulse that's too often squashed by the cynicism of our age. But when that desire to find the holy is misdirected, it's pointed in the wrong direction, great suffering can ensue. Because as human beings, when we try to take things from this world and lift them up to the level of the sacred, lift them up to the level of the ultimate, of the holy, of the pure, our standards are relative and end up going into one-upmanship. See that throughout the, the Pharisees' interactions with Jesus. There's a constant tendency to one-up one another in holiness, in purity. And the result is death. Looking for sacred things in this world will inevitably lead us astray. But the message of Revelation 4 is, is that the holy things, the sacred things, the ultimate things, the things that we desire most deeply aren't to be found on this earth at all. We don't have to look to this earth, to this world, to find ultimate things. We're being offered a trip from Jesus himself to, to, to enter into heaven right now. That Christ is extending a hand down to us and welcoming us in. He's inviting us into the holy. That's what we see in the book of Revelation, chapter 4. You know, in, in, in the movie Aladdin, 
Jasmine, the princess, she was afraid when, when Aladdin first reached his hand down and, and, and offered her a whole new world on a magic carpet ride. But the thing that, that scared her wasn't that Aladdin might push her off the carpet and she would fall to her death. What was scary about taking a ride wasn't that she didn't trust him. It was, it was the wonder, the, the awe of being throughout the world, being so high up and her being so small and vulnerable. There's something good in that kind of a fear, standing before something that's, that's bigger and, and higher than we are. And we see that as, as this passage opens in Revelation 4, chapter 1. John begins this chapter saying, after this, after the, the letters that Jesus had given him to send to the churches, it says, after this I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. The voice that John hears is the same voice we heard last week, the voice from Sinai, the trumpet voice, the voice that made Old Testament Israel fear and tremble and cower before the mountain. That same voice is speaking to John, but he doesn't respond with fear and cowering. Rather, he's invited up. He's invited into the presence of God himself. It's an incredible thing to, to look at this passage and realize that, that rather than fall down in fear, we have an invitation to enter into the holiest places with Christ. Why is there such a difference between Israel gathered in Mount Sinai and, and this passage of John hearing the same voice, but, but coming in joy. It's because Old Testament Israel didn't, didn't fully understand who they were hearing from. But John knows who's speaking. John knows who this voice is. This voice is his Lord, the Lord Jesus, the one that he followed for three years during his earthly ministry. Jesus himself was the one that spoke to Old Testament Israel from the top of the mountain. He's the one with the, th with the trumpet voice. But John knows Jesus in a way that Old Testament Israel did not. The trumpet voice of Christ has been transformed by his grace. It's been transformed because he became flesh and dwelt among us. The fact that God has come down the mountain to us in the form of an innocent baby and then lived in perfect accordance with the, with the law of God, suffered and died on the cross as a sacrifice for us, lived in perfect love until that moment and died the perfect loving death for us. And then rose again on the third day, defeating hell forever. That, in all those ways, we have beheld the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So that now when you and I hear the voice of God himself speaking to us like a trumpet, we don't need to cower in fear. No, we can, we can receive the invitation of God and know that we're welcome. Know that we're accepted because God doesn't thunder down on us as a judge any longer. God spent all of his judgment, all of his justice on Christ. And now he welcomes us as his children. 
This represents for us a, a, a reorientation of, of everything for us. So often, you and I are tempted to look for, for holy and ultimate things in this world, on this earth. But, but the message of just this first verse is, is that those things aren't to be found here. And in fact, why should we be looking for them here when Christ has sent us an invitation to come up with him? To come up and see heaven, to come up and see God himself seated on the throne, to fall down in worship before him. It should be a reorientation of our entire lives around this reality that we are participants in God's holiness through the mercy and grace of Jesus. And what we see is, as, as he continues on, is we see this incredible vision. John arrives in heaven, and verse 2, it says, At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, and he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. This, this picture that John gives of, of, of seeing just a, a radiant beam kind of coming from the throne and, and it being surrounded by an, an emerald-like rainbow or a rainbow-like emerald, I, we're not sure what. But the reason we, we're not sure what is that John is stretching language. He's trying to, 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 to get at telling us what exactly he's seeing. And, and, and it's, it's just like um, the prophet Ezekiel when he is called up to heaven to see God. It says in Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, that above him there was a likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire, and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around, and downward from what had the appearance of fire, and there was brightness all around him. Like the appearance of the bow, the rainbow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of the one speaking. John is, is using Old Testament-type language again. It's, it's throughout the book of Revelation to describe something that's indescribable, to describe the very glory of God himself. And, and we see that uh, continue on uh, throughout uh, this description. As John arrives into the heavenly throne room, he sees the 24 thrones. At verse 4, so there were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. Now, a lot of scholars debate the meaning of these, uh, of these, of these elders. Some think that they're, they're angels or heavenly beings of some kind. But I think the number 24 is key. 24 is, is 2 times 12. And we have to ask, are there any places in the Bible where there are two sets of 12 or two significant 12s? If you think about the Old Testament, you think of the 12 tribes of Israel, you think of the New Think of the 12 apostles. And sure enough, in Revelation 21, when the new Jerusalem comes out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband, what do we see? We see that it has 12 gates 
with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel inscribed on them. And 12 foundations, I don't know how a city has 12 foundations, but 12 foundations with the names of the apostles. And so I think the, the, the bride adorned for her husband is the church, is all of God's people united, both Old and New Testament coming down, and it's the same group of people here gathered around the throne, dressed in the white righteousness of Christ, the, the robes of, 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 of Christ's righteousness, wearing golden crowns on their heads because they, because we are sons and daughters of God and co-heirs with Christ. You see, John, in this vision, is placing us in heaven with Christ even now. This isn't a picture of the future. It's, it's not a picture of, of, of some far-off distant day. This is a picture of what heaven is like right now. Do you see the good news of that? The reality is that Colossians 3, verse 3, is true for us. That, that we have died to the things of this world, and our life is hidden with Christ in God. That we are, even right now, present with the Father. That we, right now, look like pure white golden crowns. We look like we belong in heaven when the Father looks upon us. A little bit further on, it talks about the sea of glass-like crystal. I, I don't have time to touch on all the imagery. It'd take me forever to get through it all. But, but the sea of glass-like crystal is a really stunning portrait. Because the, the sea in the Old Testament is, is, is all the forces of chaos and suffering, all the, all the issues of uncertainty that we deal with as human beings. But to God, the things that we face, whether it's coronavirus or a down economy or suffering in our family life or, 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 or whatever we're going through, to us it looks uncertain and difficult and dark. But to God, the, the sea isn't raging and roaring. It's not chaotic and uncertain. No, to God himself, the sea is like glass. It's as calm as it could possibly be. When Jesus was in the boat with the fishermen, with, the, with his disciples, and, and they were in the raging storm, all he had to do was say with the word, peace, be still. The sea of glass that's before the throne of God is it, just like that. It's like God has spoken a perpetual peace, be still over all things. It's why he can take all things in his hands even coronavirus, and, 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 and use them for our good. He can, he can take everything that we're going through, all the suffering, all the pain, all the heartache that we've faced, and know that he can turn it for our good because nothing is too hard for him, nothing is uncertain to him. He is before and over all things. Gathered around this throne, again, are these 24 elders. And I believe it's the people of God. I believe it's us. And that picture of the elders with white garments and golden crowns, that picture is a truer image of you and I than what we see when we look in the mirror in the morning. Whatever image we have of ourselves, whatever image we try to put out on social media, whatever image we try and dress ourselves up as each and every day, the truest image of you, the truest of image of, of, of you through the eyes of the God of all creation is that you are perfectly righteous. You are a co-heir with Christ. You belong in heaven. That is where your home is. That is where your citizenship is. And the question for us is what do we do with that? 
Do we, do we take that truth? Do we take that incredible, majestic, heavenly reality and, and then go about our merry way? Trying to live the best version of the American dream that we can get a hold of? Or do we take the reality that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places even now? Do we take that to heart? Do we let ourselves believe the image portrayed of us in this chapter? Do we let ourselves see ourselves as God sees us? In, uh, in the 1990s, Sinead O'Connor uh, sang a song called Nothing Compares to You. And, and when she sang that song, she was singing a song that Prince wrote, which I didn't know until Gabriel told me this week, so thank you, Gabe. And, and, and the great thing about that song, the, the reason that it, that it was such a hit is there was something about it that resonated. Because when you're in love with someone, there's something about that person that, that's irreplaceable. There's something about that person that's just so great that you can't imagine anybody else in their place. And, and, and there's something about romantic love that, 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 that has a touch of heaven in it. Because it, it takes us out of ourselves and puts our focus, puts our attention, puts our desire on something beyond us. The reason that song resonated was because there's, there's something true in it. There's something about heaven that echoes even in a simple pop song from when I was in junior high. And really, the, the four living creatures, these, these, these different you know, beings that, that I believe, I'm not going to go into it now, but I believe represents all of creation, the, you know, all the different animals, and, and then one, one creature that looks like a human. These, this is all of creation, bowing at God's feet, praising God. It, it says in verse 8 that their song happens over and over and over again because all of God's creation, you know, animal, vegetable, mineral, human, all of God's creation praises him. All of God's works sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. In, in essence, they're, they're singing to God that nothing compares to you. They're, they're singing that song to God saying nothing, no one, nothing in all the universe and all of creation compares to the wonder of God. You know, I, I think that, that heaven often gets a bad reputation in our culture. We think of heaven, we picture heaven, and, and, and it sounds like, you know, it sounds boring. It's, it's babies and harps on clouds and stuff like that. We tend to think that earth is where, where the real action is. And there are whole theologies today that, that would remake heaven in the image of earth. But to do that is turn everything backwards. Because when, 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 the, when, the, when the 24 elders... When the church in heaven, when they hear the sound of all creation praising God for being holy, 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 do the 24 elders say, guys, could you knock it off? Could we sing a different song today? Could you turn down the volume? I'm trying to get some sleep. No, what do the 24 elders do? It says they fall on their face before the throne of God and they cast their crowns, all of their worth, all their value, all their work, all of their, all their authority, all of their rights, everything that they have, all of their riches, they throw it at the feet of the throne of God and sing their own song. 
What do they sing? They sing, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. It's, it's the lover standing and, and looking at their beloved, saying, Nothing can compare to you. I would give anything for you. I will give everything for you. And that's what the church is called to do. That's what we do when we gather for worship on Sunday. The call for us as the church to come together and worship God every single Sunday is not a legalistic call to some old-timey religion. The call to the church, to you and I gathering every single Sunday to worship the God who is worthy of all praise, it's an invitation to enter into the holiness of the God of all the universe. It's an opportunity to participate in who God is, to give him the praise and the honor he deserves. Would you rather go for a hike or watch the game? Would you rather get extra sleep or, or just stay home because you're tired? Or would you? Accept Christ himself's invitation to you to enter into the heavenly places and sing God's praise with all things. That is what we were created to do. It's where our truest joy lies. And I pray that we would put off these earthly things that so often distract us. You know, this week I, I read um, the comments of the lieutenant governor of, of Texas, Dan Patrick. And, and I don't know if you've heard this, but, but he said um, in an interview on, on the news that there are more important things than living. And if you've been listening to everything that I've been saying and everything this passage says, that he's absolutely right. There are absolutely more important things than living. Being in the presence of God is more important than living. Walking in his holiness is more important than living. But that's not what he was talking about. Now, the lieutenant governor of Texas was talking about reopening the American economy in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, as a native Californian, I take every opportunity I have to make fun of Texas every single one. I'm sorry, Leslie, it's just what I do. But, but, but my point in, in mentioning this is not to, to, to make fun of Texas, and it's not to make any kind of a political statement at all. My point is to bring back what happens when we elevate things of this earth to the level of the sacred, to the level of the holy. For some reason, the lieutenant governor of Texas thinks that the American economy and the American way of life is, is elevated to a level of sacredness that's worth sacrificing human life for. Just like social justice warriors on you know, Instagram knitting circles feel it's, it's worthy of sacrificing life to, to be on the right side of history. We are tempted at every turn to, to elevate things of this earth to the level of holiness. But, but we don't have to. That, that's, not, that's not God's call to us. That's not where our joy lies. Our true and only joy rests with Christ. Why would we give ourselves, our humanity, why would we give the image of God that he has endowed us with and the salvation of Christ that he has given us freely by grace? 
Why would we lay that at the feet of anything on this earth when it will only destroy? Idolatry kills every time. Rather than elevate things of this world, family, career, money, you name it, rather than elevate those things to, to a level of sacred or holy, we have the opportunity given to us by Christ himself to join him in a whole new world, a world in which we belong, a world where he, he promised to go to heaven and prepare a place for us, a, a world where we have our citizenship already, where we are already seated with Christ in the heavenly places. This week, even if you're in your pajamas until three o'clock in the afternoon, remember that your heart, your soul, your life is not located on your couch, in your home, or at work, any place on this earth. You are seated with Christ. And you have the privilege, by grace, to walk in his worship at home, at work, at school, and every Sunday gathered with God's people. I don't know about you, but this time has made me miss gathering with all of you so much more. I pray we never take the privilege of worshiping Christ as gathered family together. I pray that we never take, take it for granted ever again. And I pray that God would allow us to gather again soon so that we can participate with all of heaven together in singing God's praises. Let's pray. Father, we gladly and humbly yield ourselves to you. You have poured out your grace upon us. It is with humility that we receive it. It's with joy that we give praise back to you. Please, Lord, forgive us for the ways we look to this world to satisfy. And teach us, teach us to believe that nothing compares to you, that there is no hope of receiving anything like satisfaction in anything but you and you alone. And thank you that you've made the way open for us in Christ.